Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello, and welcome to At The Whiteboard. I am your host, Nicole North, and I am joined by a new friend, uh, one that I really, really enjoy and love speaking with. It's Kate Hand. Hi, Nicole. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How about you? I am not too bad. I am excited to dig into the world of habits. Um, For those that have done any whiteboard learning programs, this is something that I kind of embed into every workshop is the idea of how can you take some of this content and turn it into a daily habit. Um, And I am most excited to hear Kate's thoughts on why leaders need habits, what's the kind of history and different habit approaches that are out there. And then we're going to give you some active actual quick tactical advice on how to create a new habit right in this podcast. Um, So with that, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Thanks so much, Nicole. I'm super excited to be here with you and speaking with your audience today. Uh, My background is in leadership development. So I am a leadership facilitator and coach. And as you mentioned, I specialize in using habits to create simple routines that can help you reduce the mental load that we all carry with us. And especially I work with you know, busy mid-career professionals who want to create the, you know, the work life that they really need right now, one tiny step at a time. I love it. I love it. And so, uh, you know, I know that I kind of use a particular approach using a platform in my uh, learning and training programs. Um, What are some of the different habit approaches out there? I know, I feel like I've read them all. Atomic habits, (laughs) tiny habits. (laughs) Yeah, like Charles Duhigg, there's so many and it certainly seems like habits are, are du jour right now, right? Everyone's talking about habits. You know, I guess uh, I can I can speak to a few of them. I will say straight up, though, that I studied with B.J. Fogg uh, out of Stanford University. So he is a behavior scientist and he's been studying human behavior and specifically habits for over 20 years. And he has a research lab at Stanford. And out of that, he created Tiny Habits. And then there's a certification program that I took about five years ago now so that uh, other people can learn the methodology and, and practice it. And so I've been helping people build tiny habits for, as I said, about five years. And I, I guess uh, BJ's approach is a little bit different from some of the others. Atomic Habits, uh, by the way, James Clear actually also worked with BJ and studied some of the same things with BJ. So they're, they're quite connected. Uh, But the one big thing I think that differentiates tiny habits is that based on the research coming out of BJ Fogg's research lab at Stanford, habits are not formed through repetition that that hasn't proven out in the thousands of people that he's worked with in over 20 years of studying habits. That's actually not what builds habits. It's actually emotion. And so if we can attach a positive emotion we will form a new habit. And actually it doesn't even have to be positive. You think of bad habits, 
you know, I've got lots of bad habits. Where do they come from? It's not from repetition. It's not from practicing them for 30 days, right? They form because I had some need, right? There was some emotion that that habit filled. So whether it's, you know, eating sweets or chocolate or I don't know, biting your nails or whatever it is that you've got, uh, that came from somewhere. Uh, so the research that BJ Fogg and his team have done show that it's, it's really about that emotional need and that connection. And so if we want to build habits, we need to tap into that same system. So interesting. Um, so you mentioned that habits are du jour right now. <laughs> why do you think, why habits, why now? I mean, I think neuroscience is also something that everyone in leadership circles and learning and development wants to connect to, right? It's, it's just that latest thing. And maybe it's because we have more research or more access to the technology to, to look at how the brain functions. That certainly has been an area of growth over the past, whatever, 20 years. Uh, but I also think it's because there's so much that we all carry. You know, I mentioned that mental load, this idea that we've all got so much going on in that we're keeping track of and, you know, work doesn't slow down, life doesn't slow down. We pre-pandemic, my goodness, we piled so much into our world into the, every second of the day that, you know, how can you, how can you keep going? We need ways to simplify. We need ways to automate and, and that's what a habit is, right? A habit is something we do automatically without thinking. So if we can reduce all of the things that are swirling around in our brain, all the things we have to keep track of, if we can find ways to systematize, to automate, that's going to free up that space in our brain for the really important things. So I think personally, that's where this focus has come from. Because if you read any HBR article about successful leaders, it's always about the systems, the processes, the ways that they manage all of the various responsibilities they have. And, and those are habits. So it's interesting. And I, I, that's something I always taught, you know, I did process improvement for a long time. And as we were working with organizations, it's like this process improvement is designed to free up space to do the value added things. And yeah. so when you remove the, uh, in, I don't want to say the intention, but when you remove all the, the brain power required to do activities and remind yourself and remind yourself and remind yourself and read a calendar and get a notification and do all these things, it's, it's clouding up your brain and not allowing you to do the value add. So it, it kind of segues to my question is, you know, why do leaders really need habits more than, than ever before? I think it always, the phrase that comes up for me is highest and best use of your time, right? Which is what I think you were referencing there, Nicole, with this idea that leaders can't possibly deal with every single emergency, every single request, every single meeting, right? The good leaders find ways to, to manage that. And whether you use, you know, the urgent important grid or any of those tools that are out there, it's really about prioritizing and figuring out where do you spend your energy and, and how do you use that, that brain power, right? Like, you know, you really want to have that free space to be able to think strategically or make tough decisions. And so you need to control that calendar to create space for you. 
so to me, habits are, are a way, as I said, of, of figuring out what are the easy things that you can just automate so that you do have a little bit of flexibility for the stuff that is complex that you can't create into a habit, right? Not everything can be made into a habit. There's things where we have to slow down and actually stop and do big things or involve others and really go methodically. So if you think about your day as a, as a process or a series of systems and routines, you know, kind of looking at it that way and then designing for success means looking at where's the easy stuff that you can automate, where do you need to create that space for you? And, and so that's what I work with my clients around is really like, okay, so what is, what's the stuff that will help you that we can automate and make into a habit? And what's, you know, that, how will that give you that extra bit of breathing room that you desperately need? Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are some of the habits that people created in their work from home mm. um, environment? Because I think that was kind of an enormous fundamental shift for everyone. I mean, I work more now than I ever have uh, before. And that's not just a volume of work. That is just a, a state of being in my house and not traveling to meetings and not uh, traveling to do in-person things. I, I, I'm here. You're looking at it. <laughs> I'm here every day, all day from eight until six. And it's longer hours than I've ever worked before. And so I'm thinking about that. And then I'm, I'm stacking questions and I shouldn't, but I want you to, to explain what I mean. What are the habits that people created in this environment of working from home yeah. in these long hours, this increased workload, people just took on more and more and more and more. And now we are starting to see quite rapidly people being asked to go back to office. Um, with a little bit more certainty. I'm not sure if it's real or not, but it seems to be a little more certain than it was before. So what's going to shift in the habits of working from home to being hybrid and back in office, do you think? Yeah, it's such a great uh, area to explore because for one thing, there was you know the beginning of the pandemic and there was that context that we all had to adjust to. And, and there, there's a great example that BJ Fogg always uses that you know when you think about behaviors and what is a behavior, a behavior is a person doing an action in a specific context. So I might love to dance in my living room right? That is a behavior that I, I love and I do frequently. It might even be a habit, right? Uh, that I am the type of person that will, you know, just boogie in my living room, right? That does not mean that I will go out and do a flash mob and dance in public or get up on a stage and be part of a dance recital. That's a different context. And so it's a different set of behaviors. Working from home, is a different context. And so we all had in March, 2020, we all had to suddenly adjust to a whole new set of behaviors. And so we saw all these people going, oh my gosh, like how do I work from my dining room table? And you know, when ring lights, you couldn't get a ring light anywhere. You couldn't get it by a microphone, right? Like along with toilet paper, it was suddenly webcams and microphones and all the setup, right? That was like, everyone was scrambling for. 
And, and then we adjusted, right? We figured out the routines and I, you know, I'm hearing from you there, Nicole, that maybe there was some boundary issues <laughs> that we can talk about. <laughs> um, and now we're in this new phase again, where, and for some people it happened a year ago and for some people it's happening now or it's coming up that now we're shifting. Some people are going back into the office or they're figuring out hybrid. And again, if you're going back and forth or you're going back into the office, that's a new context, right? Even if it was this, your, your routine before, now it's new. And so there's all ultimately different, right? Whatever we're going back to is fundamentally no longer what it was. I find this topic so fascinating. Right. And so there's a whole new set of behaviors or routines that we have to create because especially for hybrid, right? If you're working, you know, let's say Monday and Friday from home and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the office, right? Reasonably stable. It's probably going to be pretty quick for you to create. I've got my in-office routines and I have my at-home routines and I just need a few extra little things to help me transition back and forth. If your work context is, is a little more flexible. And so some weeks, maybe you go in on a Tuesday or you go in for specific meetings then you really need to develop like, what are those prompts? What are those things that are gonna help you transition to, oh, right, I'm in working in the office mode and this is what it means and this is what I need to be successful. And so a lot of what we do and what I do with clients when I'm helping them create those routines, it's like, what are the one-time behaviors? Like we all did in March, 2020 of buying all the equipment and setting up our home office or figuring out where we were gonna work. And what, so those are things you do, right? You do once I make sure I've got a desk or I make sure I downloaded the app so that I can hotel into my office environment, whatever those steps are, right? Things you have to do once to set you up for success. Great. Then it's about now I'm going into the office, how, or I'm working from home again. How do I make sure that I stay productive and I don't lose an hour and a half or whatever it is every morning trying to figure out yeah, how do I work in this context again? So you need to create those things for yourself, call them processes or systems or routines or whatever you want to call them. But you need to, you know, trigger that idea in your head of like, okay, now I'm in this environment. And this is what it means to work in this environment, because we're trying to be successful wherever we are. So we got to design for that. I so I'm going to go off script again. Um, You're never going to do a podcast with me again. (laughs) Um, only because what you're saying is so fascinating to me. So then what's the connection between this? We're also seeing high increases of stress and burnout in individual contributors and managers. What's that kind of connection to creating habits and routines is yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert necessarily in this area, uh, so I can speak to my opinion on it of course. and what I've, what I've seen with some of the clients that I've been working with through the pandemic. I mean, uncertainty will always bring stress, right? Because we do crave habits. We crave uh, routine because it's safe. It's predictable. So when there, you know, are these periods of uncertainty uh, and extreme flexibility, right, of not knowing when you might have to be called into the office. So, you know, an employer might think they're being super flexible by saying, oh, come in whenever you want. For some people, that actually creates more stress, 
right? Because it's another decision point. It's another thing that they have to sort through that adds to that mental load of, well, how do I navigate that? You know, so I, I think the stress is probably caused from just all of that lack of routine and, you know, just all of the sort of uncertainty we've all been living through for the past several years now, and it's not over yet. So, you know, for me personally, what helps me when I'm in periods of uncertainty is, you know, that, that whole circle of control thing, right? Like how can I shrink it down to what's right in front of me? What can I control? How can I create, you know, a routine, even when everything around me is changing all the time, there are still going to be certain things that remain constant. Like I, you know, I've worked with people who their, their work shifts change all the time. And they're like, well, how can I have a habit around arriving, you know, to start my day off right, or, you know, to, to make sure I drink water or I stretch during my day when my work day is so variable. It's like, well, there's always going to be a couple of constants, like you always show up for work, right? There's always that point when you arrive at your workplace. So that's an opportunity to create a habit. Uh, because when we, when we create habits, uh, one of the key things of tiny habits is we look for what we call anchor moments. Those are existing things that we do automatically, existing habits that can prompt us for the new behavior we want to build. And so if it's, you know, you want to build a habit of just taking a deep breath and trying to get yourself into a better mindset, right, for the start of your workday, maybe it's as soon as I, you know, open the door or as soon as I sit down at my workstation or as soon as I log in or as soon as I tap in, whatever that action is that you always do that's an opportunity to take a deep breath, right? And just be like, I got this, right? Yeah. So you look for those tiny little opportunities that are already in your day and you can start to build in something that's gonna help you lower that stress, check in with yourself, do whatever techniques you know, work for you in terms of staying resilient. Yeah, I think that's a, a great connection, that idea of great habits and maybe this is my kind of where my brain was going with it is this idea of if we are able to create habits and routines um, that keep us well, keep us stress-free, particularly during times of tumultuous change today, particularly, mm. um, right? Um, and as we move into this return to office, return to work, this I mean, I, I, I would hate to be a leader right now. I would hate <laughs> to be a manager right now and manage the discussions of organizations saying, we're coming back, bring them back. And maybe half of your employees being like, I cannot wait to get out of my house and back into mm -hmm. the office where I can focus. And there aren't children or distractions of my house that make it difficult for me, or I don't have the space or the equipment that makes it great for me to work. And then balanced with the other 50% of people who are like, Hmm, I've been very productive for the last 24 yeah. months. I'm not <laughs> quite sure why it is. You, it's a necessity for me to return to the office. Right. And yeah. balancing those conversations. And I think equipping leaders with the tools to create work habits, health habits, wellness habits can help build their resilience. I think that's the, 
the aha from me and why I, I just am so obsessed with everything you say, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, it's true. We, in fact, BJ Fogg at the very beginning of the pandemic, he basically put out a call to all of us certified tiny habits coaches to say, like we need to help people right now. And so we ran in March, 2020 through to, I think about May, 2020, we ran weekly webinars and free sessions on just all of those various aspects. And so I did ones on tiny habits for leaders, right. And tiny habits for working remotely. And, and we really, you know, we honed in and focused on, I developed three key areas that I thought, especially for leaders, I mean, they're good for everyone, but especially if you're leading people, that you need habits and and ways to stay positive, sort of that check in with yourself, stay resilient. You need habits to stay organized, and you need you needed and still do habits to stay connected to your team, to what's going on at the office or with your employer or whatever it is, to whatever connected means to you. And so I ran a, a series of workshops on those three topic areas. Oh, everything you say is so exciting to me, Kate. It's so <laughs> it's it like it it thrills me because I you know, I have three children run my own business. Um, it's a busy, busy life for me and without habits and, and me learning to create some new habits in my new worldview that was in a new house with an extra child through the pandemic, um, with some, you know, body changes after a second baby, there was lots of habits I needed to rebuild in this new environment. And some of those habits literally saved me. And I think that's why I'm so, so passionate about this. Can we, what kind of, um, and I'm going to put this in your hands. I I have an idea, but I don't want to throw it on you, but what, what can, what kind of habit can we help some leaders create today that are listening right now? Can we workshop it? Can we, can you show (laughs) how you would, you know, maybe, I mean, you could even work with me. I don't know, however you want to do it. What can we do to um, teach people how to do something differently that is going to improve that resilience, reduce that stress, um, get everyone to take that breath um, before we move into a new, a new realm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of, of hybrid work and whatever the future holds for us today yeah. as of February 24th, 2022. Well, let's do it with you, Nicole. So what's something that would help you right now, a behavior or a habit that you'd like to have right now? Mm, okay. <laughs> I so threw it back to you. <laughs> you threw it right back at me. I should have expected it. Um, and I, cause I didn't actually plan that. Um, Well, one of the things I struggle with is I block time to achieve certain tasks, but I will get veered away either by an email or something else that kind of draws my attention away from that task. And so one of the habits I've been working on is to always create a list before I check my email write down those kind of three priority objectives that I need to get done today. Again, I don't often have the luxury of, you know, well, I can just work late till seven or eight or nine. I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen for me. It's either wake up super early and hope no children wake up with me uh, when I need to finish something. Um, So, but I'm struggling to make it a habit. I try and I try and I try, um, but it, it's not seeming to stick. 
Okay, great. So let's work with that. So first of all, I, I hear that you're acknowledging the parameters of your day, which is super important, right? You know that, you know, there are external forces that sometimes interrupt your day. So we're working with that realistic view of your day, which I think is super important when you think about habits and behaviors you want to develop. And one of the things I always tell people is like, start with the things you know you can do. Right. Leave the, the super hard like, oh, I really want to do this and I've always wanted to do this or I really want to stop doing this. Like, let's leave those habits aside for the moment. And let's, you know, when, certainly with tiny habits and when you're learning the approach, start with some ones that you think you can achieve. So this one seems like a good one because you've already been playing with it and you and it sounds like you really want it right? You want this habit in your life. I'm nodding vigorously for anyone that's not actually looking at us. (laughs) When you're listening to this in audio, I was nodding like a little kid. Yes. So that's really important, right? Start with the things that you really want to do. Okay. So tell me about that beginning of your work day. Like what, what's the start of, you know, when you sit down of your computer, what kind of leads up to all of that? Um, frantically feeding the children and doing whatever needs to be done, leaving them with their caregiver and kind of descending downstairs with a variety of, of liquids, coffees, teas, water. Um, and then I turn on all my lights and I go, I mean, it's usually predicated. Um, I wake up very, very early at like 5am and I usually try and get a workout. And that's usually when I check my calendar for what's happening that day, make sure that I don't suddenly have a meeting at a time that's earlier than I normally schedule them or that I haven't prepared for or anything like that. Um, But yeah, I kind of get out of that phase. I come right down, I turn it on and I try and just go as fast as I can. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's great. So I'm hearing that, you know, there's a little bit of thinking that maybe happens before you arrive at your workstation of like checking your calendar and like what's going on. And, you know, do I have to be at my desk earlier than normal? So that's all good, right? Those are things that are going to set you up for success. So you arrive at your desk, you sit down, you presumably open up your laptop, your computer, whatever. Uh, So where do you normally capture your tasks? Is it do you write them down? Do you have an app? What do you do? Um, I have a, like a, like a tablet, like a, a writable tablet item. So when I have done this, well, Mm -hmm. I have every day I've used bullet journaling as a method by which to capture what I need to do in that day. And then kind of move defer and I kind of copy it over and keep redoing it. And somehow I slipped out of that habit. I don't know when it happened, but it kind Mm. of just slipped away. And it's something I've been clawing at ever since. So is the bullet journaling uh, an important part of being able to identify those three tasks for you? Yes. So is it really about creating a habit to do your bullet journal? Yes. Or or even just write down those three tasks. Like, you know, the bullet journal is just a very organized way of like bringing forward all the tasks and it does help identify those three priorities. Um, I would say if I were to break it even smaller, just writing down what I need to do that day okay. is often gives me the clarity to say, oh my goodness, was I really going to go in my brain? I wanted to start working on that. This right. is absolutely due today. I have no choice. I must do this. Okay. And that's usually when I get that emotional thing that says, I'm, 
really have to start doing this every day because it's so uh, mind opening of what I need to do. Okay. So, okay. So we can, it sounds like you can work with your little tablet thingy there. You don't necessarily need the bullet journal helps, but it's not crucial. Okay, good. Yes. Where do you keep that tablet? Um, it's always here in my office with my computer, or if I'm working elsewhere in the house, then I bring it with me in my laptop. Okay. So, but generally it's, it's next to, or it's typically it's on your desk in the morning when you arrive on my desk in the morning when I arrive. Yeah. Okay, good. So go through the like precise steps of you've got your water, your coffee, you've raced down to your workstation. So take me through every single step from the moment you arrive down to starting work. Be really. Uh, I usually, I turn on my uh, panel light, my lights around my office. I might turn on the fire, the little electric fireplace if it's cold. And then I usually just, I probably the very first thing I do is open up that email to see what's come through overnight. Is there anything urgent? Okay. And you presumably you sit down in your chair, you put down your water or your cup. Uh, I might tidy up the desk if there's anything left. I'm usually quite tidy. So there's nothing usually major, but I don't like clutter. So I usually, you know, reorganize or move things around as necessary. Okay. The reason why I'm asking you to really drill down, right, is because this is how precise we want to get when we're designing a routine for success. So we want to think about in that sequence that you already have, right? These are things that your brain doesn't think, oh, now I must put my cup down. Now I must sit down. Now I must, you know, open my laptop or whatever it is, right? We do those things automatically. So now your choice is, which one of all of those precise steps, those actions that you always do when you arrive at your workstation, workstation, which one is the best one to prompt you, to lead you into look at your tablet? Mm. So I want to look at my tablet before I click my mouse to activate my screen. Okay. So, so what happens would be just before? Putting down the coffees. <laughs> making sure the desk is good, multiple coffees. Well, actually yeah. one's a tea. Uh, and then just sitting my butt in the chair. That's usually as soon as I sit down, I reach for that mouse. Okay. So as soon as I sit down, what you want to do now is you want to look at your tablet. Mm. And what we do with tiny habits is, you know, again, it, really precise anchor moment that's going to prompt you to be like, ah, okay, time to look at my tablet. So, you know, after I feel my bum in the chair or like, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it to yourself, um, that precise specific moment that you can practice, right. Either by visualizing it or actually doing it. Like I'm going to sit down and look at my tablet and I'm going to do that five times to practice it, to kind of drill it into my brain of like, this is the new routine that's going to prompt me to think of my three important tasks for the day. Now, in your case, we're kind of interrupting an existing pattern, right? Because your normal pattern is to get the mouse and click open. So in a way, this is a stopping habit, because instead of clicking your mouse, you're going to look at your tablet. So like a little bit harder, right? Because <laughs> you're trying to circuit break an existing yeah. routine. I was starting so, to think like, do I put my tablet on top of my mouse? I thought of before, that too, actually. Right? Like, yeah. Do I put my tablet on top of my mouse and that would force me, 
I mean, I guess that's really the new, maybe that's the new habit is when I stop work, I put the tablet on top of the mouse. Yeah. So that you that's have my to move closing it routine when I leave. And that means when I come down in the morning, sit my bum in my chair, the, the tablet is literally interrupting me from getting my mouse. How would that feel? That feels like revolutionary, Kate. <laughs> so, so then you have to think about at the end of your day, again, that sequence, that normal sequence of events, you know, what is your shutting down routine, right? Do you click off on something? Do you, I don't know, right? Close something down. Do, was it when you stand up? Right. So again, exactly what we won't do, we won't go through it, but exactly yeah. as we did for your morning, you know, go through everything, single step that you normally take on a normal average day. Right. And then it's the, okay, after I stand up, I will look at my tablet or I'll pick up my tablet and then you're going to place it on top of your, your mouse. So that's how you, you identify the moment. And the, you know, again, BJ Fogg has this great quote of, you know, if you plant the seed in the right spot, it'll grow all by itself. So spending time to really think through as we did, what is that existing sequence? Where is the best moment to prompt a new behavior, a new habit that you want to build? If you can really dig in and, and play with it, right? You may not get it the first time. Like we, if, we, if you hadn't gone through that mental process, we might've stuck with the morning routine. And maybe you tried it out and you're like, yeah, it's not actually working. And then you'd be like, oh my God, it's, I have to interrupt. So I got to do it in the evening. So now it's an evening routine. So now you're going to play around with that and, and see what works. Right. So there's no guilt in the tiny habits method. We're just That's experimenting. Good. Yeah. That's good. No I have guilt. a lot of guilt just generally. I didn't <laughs> need to add any on That's no, perfect. You can, you can totally let go of that. No shoulda, coulda, wouldas, right. We're designing for success. And when something doesn't work, we're experimenting and it's not a behavioral or personal flaw in ourselves it's just a flaw in the design so we need to look at the sequence and find the right spot in the sequence so we don't take it personally that you know you didn't do your three tasks it was like no because i need an, a better sequence and that wasn't working for me so you're going to try your end of day thing of after i stand up i'm going to place my tablet on top of the mouse that will hopefully interrupt and there is also a morning routine now of after you arrive at your desk, you're going to look, right? You're going to have to pick up your tablet. That's going to become a new behavior. So these are all sort of starter steps, right? So after you pick up your tablet, if you're late for a meeting or you forgot that you've got to record a podcast with Kate, you know, you're just going to put that tablet aside, right? And you're not going to do your three important tasks. That's okay. Some days are like that. What we want to do in tiny habits, as I said, there's no guilt, right? So we pick the starter step or the tiniest version that you know you can do every single day, no matter what. And what I always tell my clients is design for the worst day. Design for that day when you've realized you're late for a meeting, you're rushing down, you spill your coffee on the way, you, you know, so you get to your desk and you just throw the tablet out the way, you pick up your, you, you click everything open, you get onto your call or whatever it is you have to do. You still count that as a win because you picked up your tablet and that was the habit that you designed as your tiny version, right? Other days, you're going to pick it up you're going to look at your bullet journal. You're going to pick your most important tasks. You're going to start right away. You're going to be off and running. 
of course you celebrate on those days. You also celebrate on the days when you just pick up your tablet because that was what you designed for, right? So that's, that's the hack with tiny habits is in the name, right? We keep them tiny so that we always feel successful. Because as I said before, we build habits quickly by attaching them with emotion. And so let's attach them with positive emotion because that'll make us feel better. Uh, and so if we can design for that, you know, that worst day, we'll always feel good about it. And of course it grows and it quickly will solidify. But we know that there are going to be days when, you know what, I'm just going to pick it up and I'm going to put it aside. And that's okay because I know tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing again. And maybe tomorrow I'll be in a slightly better space and I will be able to do those three important tasks. I really like the, all of the like psychology behind that too, right? Instead yeah. of beating ourselves up for not getting it done, um, we celebrate the win of just that. And I, I, especially for this habit that we just talked about, it's almost like I can feel the tablet in my hand. There's something, there's some whole yes. mind body experience happening. Um, I always say that to my clients, right? If you can pick an anchor moment where there's something tactile, like you can feel it or you can like smell it if it's coffee or something like that, or taste it, that I find those are really great prompts. They, they tend to stick easier, right? Because they involve multiple senses. And so, you know, feeling that tablet in your hands, um, this is the last part of the tiny habit, which we haven't talked about when you feel like, so after I pick up that tablet and you feel it in your hands, or you're moving it aside. That's when you want to a, a, attach a positive emotion. And so you can pick whatever it is you want. You can smile. You can say, yes, you can tell yourself you've got this, or I am organized. I'm the type of person that, you know, prioritizes my day. I'm awesome pat yourself on the back, you know, do a fist pump, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the gesture or the, the thing you say inside your brain, or if you say something audibly, it doesn't matter. Uh, you just have to trigger your brain to let your brain know this is good. This is what I want. And there's a bunch of science behind it. And I'm not a neuroscientist. It's been explained to me. The, the Cole's notes version is basically you're, you're sort of creating a uh, what they call a prediction error reward. So instead of like normally we associate uh, positive emotions with something big, right? Or if you've ever done like, you know, running or exercise and you get the, you know, all the endorphins that get released after you've done something like that, um, it makes us feel good. And so we want to do it again. Well, when you smile or you celebrate doing this tiny little thing, your brain's not expecting you to do that. And so it pays attention. And the idea is that it creates those neural pathways faster because it's not a, a predicted thing that your brain has learned over the course of your life. I don't like imagine if, you know, a kid who normal, able-bodied child, every time they got up and walked across the room, all the adults, you know, cheered for them at the age of 10, right? When they're one and they're taking their first steps or 18 months or two years or whatever, and they're walking across the room without any help everyone around them is going to cheer for them and be like, yay, you did it, right? Uh, so we learn that very early on. Um, but of course, over time, we don't, we don't keep celebrating. You only celebrate and have that positive emotion when you're learning something new. That's how we quickly wire it in. Fascinating. Fascinating. Everyone needs you, Kate. Where can, <laughs> they, where can people find you? 
Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, Kate Hand, RCC, on LinkedIn. And my website is learningbyhand.ca because I'm Canadian. And I think Nicole will share a link. If you're interested in tiny habits, you can sign up for a free five-day online program. So BJ Fogg designed this program and then coaches like myself support it. So what happens is you, you sign up and every day of the week, you'll get tips and emails based on BJ Fogg's research around tiny habits. And then I'm there to kind of coach and support you along the way as you develop your tiny habits. Spectacular. I cannot wait to report back and let you know how I do with, and I think in my brain, it's really sizzling, putting my tablet on top of my mouse at night. I can't wait to hear. I will definitely check in and, and just remember to celebrate every time you do that. Uh, and I'm sure within a few days, that will be, that will be a solidified habit for you. Spectacular. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know our listeners are going to love this conversation and I know we're going to have another one of these because I just think they are fascinating and I want to explore how leaders and habits kind of change over this next kind of tumultuous few few months, years. Thanks again yeah. for joining us, Kate. Thanks, Nicole. Take care. Thanks for joining us at Ot the Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At the Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.